Good morning. Good to have everyone here. For those who are joining online, good to have you joining us as well, whatever time of day that may be. Uh, we are starting a new series right now called God's Antidote for Planet Earth. And on that note, let's pray for planet Earth and the people who inhabit this planet. So, Father, Lord, we come before you right now, and God, for us here in North America, it feels like everything is just almost like here we go again with the pandemic, with the polarization that's taken place. But, Lord, we see it all over the world, just see pain and hurt and woundedness, frustrations and stress and that. And, God, we know you are the hope for the nations we know that because of what we have received from you, the love that you have for us. And we know, Lord, how that can transform us, not just that you loving us, it's what it does to us. And so, Father, we pray for our city here, our province, our nation. We pray for the U.S. We pray for countries right across the globe, Lord, who are trying just to sort life out. And, and Father, I just pray that through your church, that your church would respond from the love it receives, that it would respond to others. And that would just like bleed over the world, Father. That your love would just be like a blanket that goes over our planet. And so, Lord, we today, this is our, our praise to you as we gather for those online, Lord. They as well join with us in just blessing you. Because we do know, Lord, in spite of everything, you care for us. And you care for planet Earth. So thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I don't know if your practice is, but as far as hearing God speak to you, uh, I, for myself, I don't generally find God speaking to me with a two-by-four, you know, and getting my attention that way. I find I have to pay attention, be present, and, and be listening. <laughs> Otherwise, I miss it. Example, case in point. So yesterday, like, I have a lot of work at home, both inside, because we're doing renos, and outside, because it's fall, and you got to get the gardens ready, and the leaves raked, and all that stuff. And I happened to look outside yesterday, and the amount of leaves this year that have fallen, <laughs> and fallen early, it was like, gosh, i got to find some time to do this today. i gotta, I got to get some of it done. So finally, after I got my work that I wanted to get done inside, I went outside, and I'm raking away, the wind's blowing, leaves are coming down as I'm raking. And it's just this grr moment, right, of, you know, doing all this. And just, just in a second, I heard this, what, what if you change your perspective on the leaves? <laughs> it was as simple as that. What if you just change your perspective on the leaves? And I stopped, I actually stopped and looked, and I realized... What a beautiful carpet on our lawn. Like, seriously, it was beautiful in the sense of golds and reds and oranges. Just beautiful. So I just stopped and I just quickly prayed. I said, God, you know what? Thank you for the fall leaves and thank you for your colors. And even for the wind, because it blows the leaves down. And I wasn't being sarcastic. <laughs> blows the leaves down to get them off the tree and that. And I just thank you for the colors and for the changing of the seasons and and how refreshing, and that it speaks of your faithfulness to me. And it just changed how I looked at my job at raking the leaves. I only got the outside of the fence done, but hey, it was a chunk. But it changed everything. That was a big change. And I find, I, I don't know about you, but 
every day that we wake up. Um, we are faced with different situations, and how we respond to those situations is, is huge, right? Another example, this morning, I don't know where this came from. I was just, you know, sitting down with my cereal, with my, with my breakfast, and just thanking God for the day. And what I heard, totally unrelated to what I was thanking him for, like it was just, you know, thanks, thanks for, the, for the day that's ahead. And I, what I heard was, imagine if, you, if the church was able to change its perspective towards the words I heard were the friends and guests of Urban Hope. And I, and I stopped, and it was just like, imagine if you saw them as friends and, and guests. And I heard, actually, they are my gift to you. And it was just like, where'd that come from? <laughs> but it was, again, it was this whole thing of changing your perspective. If you just changed how things looked and saw it this way. And... So what God was trying to get my attention about was, great message you've prepared, but you've left out one little thing. <laughs> so what you're going to see in the slides in that is there's going to be some things I'll state, but they won't be on the slide. And that's because God came along and said, hey, I've been trying to tell you all week, you don't listen very well, so finally get your attention. So it was this morning between 8.30 and 9.30 in my office, drinking my coffee, that I'm editing what I was going to say. <laughs> and it made sense. So my perspective is, thank you, God, that you're telling me now and not this afternoon. Because <laughs> that would have been a bad thing. But on that note, here's the reality that while I can't control my automatic responses to situations in my life, I do have control over my conscious responses and the perspective I choose to have on any given situation that comes in my life. I know that is a reality, that I can choose that. That's a hard, sometimes it can be a hard pill to swallow, but it's reality. It's true. And yesterday, raking the leaves, my attitude toward the leaves, that changed everything, right? That, that changed things. And here's the other point. God has never promised that things will go the way we expect, but how I respond is my responsibility. That is my responsibility, especially with what occurs and the perspective I have on that. And I have to own that. I have to be willing to own that. My conscious response to the things that happen in my life say a lot about me as a person. You watch how someone responds to a situation, and that tells you a lot about that person. Tells you a lot. It's a whole thing of testing. That's what testing is all about. Let's see if you can take this and that will tell us something about you. Right? That's, that's just reality. Now, I want to make a caveat here. Uh, I'm not talking about, as far as our responses, I'm not talking about those things that can come along and shock you. Right? Like if I snuck up behind you with a pail full of ice cold water and dumped it over your head, there would be an immediate response from you. I'd have to duck, maybe. <laughs> but there'd be an immediate response from me. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about either when we experience traumatic events in our life, where trauma hits us. Because those things, the things that are shocking, the things, the trauma that we experience at times, that our response is what happens way well after the fact. 
Because it's just, if you, have a, if you experience a traumatic event in your life, your response may simply be weeks, months down the road where you begin to reach out to people to help you to walk through this situation that is painful or whatever, or something that has just hugely been imprinted and impacted your life. So I'm not talking about those things. Here's the interesting thing. It's the same for God. Something happens and God responds. And God's response and God's perspective towards humanity says a lot about who God is and who it is that we worship. And we see this throughout Scripture and especially you see this in the books written by the prophets books in the Old Testament, the latter part of the Old Testament. You see God's response there to how we relate to one another and how we relate to God. We see that. And God responds to that. And it says much about who God is. The prophet Micah, he was a younger contemporary of Isaiah, and he lived in Judah at the time. And the book Micah is found, it's, it's a small little book, I think seven chapters, six or seven chapters, and it's found in, right near the end of the Old Testament. And he was around 700 BC, not that that really matters a whole lot, but he was in the times, the kings that were ruling Judah at that time were Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. You may be familiar with Hezekiah, but you may have heard that name. But that's, that's when Micah was around. And the interesting thing about Judah, just pre-Micah and into Micah's life, was that Judah was economically and materially doing really well. On the outside, that country looked really good. On the inside, it was totally different because uh, politically, socially, morally, uh, religious systems, it was rampant with corruption. Hence why God wanted to get Judah's attention, and God did that through the prophet Micah. God had a few things that God wanted to say. A little just side note for you here with what I said. Economic prosperity doesn't necessarily equate with God's favor. Understand that. Because sometimes we can see, you know, if someone is or someone, or a nation, or whatever is prospering, we say, must have God's favor. Not necessarily so. That's what you see, especially with Micah, and with, and with the nations Israel and Judah as well. And it was during this time that God did respond to the people. And the prophecies that were given during Micah's time were given to King Jotham and King Hezekiah. They were spoken in those times. And in the latter part of Micah's prophecy, so in the time of Hezekiah, there was this sort of this, this question the people had, and God responded with it. It was like a Q&A, and this, this is coming from chapter 6. And basically, the people have come to the realization that they have been, as a nation, unfaithful to God. And they recognize that. And so they come with questions of, well, what should we do? Should we bring burnt offerings? Should we bow down before you with our sacrifices? And then it says, should we give you a thousand rams? Sometimes it sounds a bit, you know, you want to ask that question. Are you being a little bit sarcastic to God? I don't think so. 
And and I'll tell you why. But they also asked, or should we give you 10,000 rivers of oil? Would that do it? Or, the ultimate, should we sacrifice our firstborn children to you? Should we do that? It's almost as if there is this sense that they had to appease God. That that's what God required. And actually, what it was was their perspective of who God was, was skewed. That statement, how they responded, those questions, came from a place of a a perspective of God that was skewed. Right? Because God never does ask to be appeased. But God does respond. Remember what I said, that our responses and perspectives to situations reveal a lot about who we are. And God's response does the same. And so here you have the nation wanting to know, what is it you want from us, God? We are so, you know, we do recognize we've been unfaithful. What do you want? And God replies through Micah what God's requirement is. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That, if you've heard the terms retributive justice and restorative justice, that's restorative justice right there. That's not retributive. And you have to ask yourself, and I'm sure they probably did as well, why these three things, God? Of all the things that you could choose, why these three? Why those three? Why? What's up with that? And what you have to remember is that God's response to the people of Judah reveal something about God's perspective towards humanity, towards our world, towards you and me. That's what it reflects. It reflects that. And what we discover in this is that God is a God of justice. That's what to do right is about. In, in the Hebrew language there, the words that were used, speaks of justice. It speaks of a God of mercy. Or the same word that could be put in there is kindness. That God is a God of kindness. And also that God is a God of humility. That as well. And Scripture confirms this confirms these three things. Consider how God deals with people, right? Who does God defend? Who does God defend? God defends those who are either being oppressed, pushed to the margins. God defends children. God defends anyone who is, who is brought to a place of a lower position amongst humanity. That's justice. That's God speaking to justice. When you consider humanity's failures and brokenness, consider your own life. How does God respond? I know for myself, all I can say, and I've said this to God, you've never done me wrong. You've never done me wrong. That I've found God is always merciful towards me, always kind. God's a kind God, what I see, how God has been in my own life, and how I see God towards this world. God is a kind God, full of mercy. 
That's why you, in the Psalms you read over and over again, your unfailing love, your mercy never ends, right? It just over and over and over again, you see this. Then you have to ask the question, how is God humble? Well, I don't know if you've ever thought of God as humble, but consider how God came into our world as a human being. Came in as a baby. And in poverty, that's humility, how God comes in. Consider how John the Baptist announced the arrival of the Messiah. He goes, hey, behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus is described as the Lamb, announced as the Lamb, the sacrifice, right? Consider who washed whose feet at the Last Supper. It was the rabbi, the master, Jesus, who washed the disciples' feet. That's humility. And then if you have to go to Revelation, you look in chapter 5 there, the millions of angels, the living beings, the elders are worshiping. And who and what are they worshiping? The Lamb. The Lamb of God. Slain for the world. It's a humble God that we serve. And as you read the Gospels through this filter, through what Micah said, or what God spoke to Micah, when you read the Gospels through that filter, you will notice something very interesting. It's exactly the way that Jesus lived his life and taught. It's exactly how Jesus expressed who God was. And we are Jesus' followers. Now, I say that, but we are not followers like we are to people on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and any blogs where we follow, because our intention is never to become like those people we are following. That's never our intention. We just like what they have to write or what they have to say on their podcast. That's about it. But we have no intention on becoming like them. But following Jesus, the intention is that exactly. That it's not so much that we're just, we like what Jesus has to say, but no intention on becoming like Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. We want to have Jesus' perspective, and we want to respond like Jesus does. Hence, why we are learning together how to do this. Because we do want to be transformed. We do want to respond a certain way to things. We do want that. Now, if right now, and and I'm sure you have from time to time in the last months, weeks, whatever, but if you're shaking your head at the world and wondering, what the heck is up with everything? Like, seriously. These three requirements that God asked, that God speaks through Micah to the people of Judah and to us, I'm convinced are the antidote to our world's woes and ills and pains. Strongly believe that. I want you to think about it for a second. Imagine it. Imagine 
if humanity would do what is right, justice. Imagine if humanity walked around with mercy, kindness towards one another. Imagine if we walked humbly with our God. The other word that can go, that could fit with the word that's used for walk humbly with your God is to walk carefully with your God. Walk carefully. Just imagine how the world would change. Seriously. Just imagine that. It would change drastically. Drastically. And heck, forget the world. Imagine if the church made this their action statement or their values or mission or whatever. This is how we will respond. And not not that we don't try. We do. Church tries, but boy, we fall back. Like, I don't know about you, but I find myself falling back, going the other way, just like I did with my leaves yesterday, right? Stupid leaves. (laughs) And the wind blowing them down faster than I can rake them. (laughs) Right? Just imagine. Just imagine. Another prophet is Ezekiel. There is a sentence in there, and in particularly I'm referencing the message here. And scholars do say that Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, was actually quite... If you ever read the message, a lot of Greek scholars will say, Greek biblical scholars will say, actually Eugene is very close to what the actual words are saying. That actually how he translates the message is quite accurate, actually. But there is a sentence in there that is very revealing about why God is the way God is and why humanity is the way it is. And here's the context to it. And this, is, this is in Ezekiel 20. And the context is... The leaders of Israel come to Ezekiel. There's some leaders. There's a few leaders that come to Ezekiel, the prophet, and they're asking for guidance from God. They want Ezekiel to go to God. God, can you give these leaders guidance? And so Ezekiel does, and God goes, they want guidance? I'll give them guidance. I'm going to hold them accountable. And I'm going to refer, I want you to refer them to their ancestors who I released from slavery in Egypt, and I was going to give them the promised land. And all I asked of them was to get rid of your idols and the way you learned things of how Egypt did things, and I want you to follow me. I want, I want you to be solely mine. And they rebelled against me. And I was so steamed, Ezekiel, I was so ticked that I was ready to wipe them out. And then there's this line that comes from... God to Ezekiel. And God says, then I thought better of it. I acted out of who I was, not by how I felt. That statement alone is telling. It's telling about who God is and why God responds the way God does. And it's telling about humanity. Why humanity responds the way it does to situations. My response to my leaves yesterday was how I felt. (laughs) It was. was how I felt. The reason God doesn't just turn our sun off and freeze us to death 
and do away with us is because that's not who God is. That's not who God is at all. God responds to us according to who God is, not by how God feels. Thank God God doesn't, right? Like, thank goodness. Because if it was by how God felt, we wouldn't have even been born. We wouldn't have made it, right? But that's not who God is. Because, see, when I react, when I act according to how I feel, I'm not acting according to who I am. So you got to ask, the, of course, you're going to ask the question, well, who are we? Hey, if you're following Jesus, we're a new creation, guys. Paul says this over and over and over again. You're a new creation. That's why Paul is correcting churches, Peter as well, James as well, all the different writers, and even Jesus is correcting the religious leaders going, you're supposed to be a new creation. What are you doing? You know, stop, stop what it is you're doing, right? But we are new creations. But what we tend to do is we fall back to our old ways, and we do that whenever we act according to how we feel at the moment. And this perspective we choose to have. Perspective is a huge thing. It's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. When you look at something, what do you see? Because two people can see it, look at the same thing and see something totally different. And they both have a totally different attitude towards all of life. Is it that easy? It's not necessarily easy. It's that simple. It really is that simple. But we're the new creation, and we are learning to live the Jesus way. We have to consider that old way is gone. That bridge is burned. We're not going back there. We can't go back there. We are now one with Jesus. We have Jesus' spirit within us, and it's almost like we have Jesus' DNA in us, and we do things the Jesus way. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. And our identity? You're an image bearer. You're God's image bearer. That's what you are. That's what you are. We're created in God's image. That's what we are. That's what we're called to be. And that's what this is, what God was saying through Micah. We're going to look at these over the next three weeks before we head into Advent and into Christmas. But I want you to know that how you consciously choose to respond to a situation, the perspective you have That is your responsibility, how you want to see things. That's my responsibility. I have to own that. I can choose how I want to respond. I can choose how I want to see things. And my desire, my desire, and I hope your desire, is to be be more like Jesus, less like me. More like Jesus. And as we journey together, discovering what this life is really like, I do believe that if, seriously, if the church said globally, this is what we're going to do, it would turn the world on its head. The world wouldn't know what hit it. It's that amazing. Look, if you, know, if you consider yourself a follower, I invite you to see yourself as God's image bearer. You are. When you go to your work, when you go to the grocery store, wherever you go, in your neighborhood, when you're talking to neighbors, even our perspective on how we see this pandemic we're in, how we see our world, how we see one another. My prayer for you is that you'll see yourself as God's image bearer. 
Oh, God sees you. That's why God runs to you, because you are God's child. And if you haven't ever decided to follow Jesus, if you've never considered that, but if you're curious about this person, churches talk about this Jesus that we worship, that we sing about, you were created in God's image. You were created with a purpose. You were created to have a relationship with the God of this universe. This God who is a God who does what is right. This God who, who is full of mercy and kindness towards you. Towards all of humanity. And this God who is humble. And I invite you to make a decision today. Become a follower. There's no magic words to this. It's something that comes from your heart that says, Jesus, I believe who you say you are, and I believe you have the way to real life that I long for. And Jesus, I, I choose to follow you. I'm going to follow your way. And if you've, if you've made that decision, then I, you need to connect with others, wherever that is. And you can reach out to us, email address of pastors at cvcf.ca. And it's not necessarily connecting with us as a church. If there's another church that fits you better, we'll gladly connect you there. Our desire is to see you become followers of Jesus. That's our desire. Because Jesus brings so much hope in this hurting world. So much hope. So let me just pray. Father, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for... Lord, you're so persistent with us. You never give up on us. Never. You're always pursuing humanity. You're always calling us, wooing us to you, in fact. We look at your world, your creation. It reveals the beauty of who you are. It reveals your strength, your power. But it also reveals your, the humility and the humbleness you create in and you love in. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray for all of us, Lord. Would you give us your eyes so that we can have the right perspective on people, on your creation, and even on the events that take place in this world? Lord, I pray for all the church throughout the world, and I know that's a huge, big prayer, but I pray for all the church that we would literally grab onto your words to be a people who do right, who love mercy, and who walk humbly and carefully with you. We say, come Holy Spirit, come right now, change us. More like you, Jesus, less like us, more like you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Scott. That was awesome. This is the part of the service where we say thank you for coming. Thank you for tuning in. We are so happy to have you. But I really want to reiterate what Scott said just at the end of his message that if you did pray that prayer today, making Jesus Lord of your life, thanking him for all that he's done for you and recognizing that you are in need, we are all so in need of Jesus. I encourage you, whether that was the first time saying that prayer or the 200th time, to get connected, to email us, to let us know. We want to celebrate with you. We want to get you connected with the resources that you need to do this journey best. Um, and we want to support you on what a life with Jesus looks like. Um, so if you did, I encourage you, send us an email. 
we will get you connected with all of those resources that you need. So thank you once again for joining us. If you are present in the room, I encourage you to stay after the lights go off. We're going to chat. We're going to pray together. We're going to do community a little bit. Um, and for those who are listening on Facebook, YouTube, the podcast, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you all next week.